You are listening to Mark Hatmaker Rough and Tumble Raconteur. This is a grab bag of old school Western martial arts, resurrected indigenous ways and empirical musings tinged with a heavy dose of respect, admiration, let's call it hero worship, for these hosses of yore. Crew, this is Mark Hatmaker coming to you from the Comancheria. Uh, today, let's talk a little bit about preparedness, some readiness. Uh, we'll call this one, Are You Ready? Uh, you can subtitle this one, Mistakes of the Vastly Experienced. And then uh, we're going to give you some uh, self-assessment questions at the end of this thing. If you stick around long enough for that, which should probably be about an eight-minute me yakking. But here we go. Let's open up with a quote. <clears throat> but in all my experience, I have never been in any accident of any sort worth speaking about. I have seen but one vessel in distress in all my years at sea. I never saw a wreck and never had been wrecked, nor was I ever in any predicament that threatened to end in disaster of any sort. Unquote. That is Captain E.J. Smith speaking in 1907. This able and esteemed Captain Smith, who's never seen an accident worth talking about, had never been in one. we got to assume this guy knows what he's talking about. And he did, and he was going to be awarded five years later the command of the RMS Titanic. Yeah, we all know what happened to that. I mean, if you don't know the history, at least seen the movie, right? Uh, and I highly recommend Walter Lord's uh, volume. It's a book called Night to Remember, written in 1955, which breaks down minute by minute the catalog of small errors that led to large-scale catastrophe. I'm talking this is a brief book, maybe sub-150 pages. Beautiful, again, minute by minute. Uh, it lets you know that uh, this Captain Smith, this wasn't blowing smoke. He, he was good at what he did, but uh, there's a chance that uh, complacency can come in. And it's not always necessarily like the one big error. We all think, I guess he should have saw that iceberg. There were many other things that kind of lead up to that. And that's kind of be the, the pattern that runs through what we're discussing today. See, Captain Smith was no amateur, no weekend sailor, no bumbler. He was an experienced seaman. He was well-trained and more than equipped to handle a transatlantic voyage. All right? Now, chance or fate can and does always rear its head to render diligent preparation minuscule. But in the case of the RMS Titanic and many other incidences, large and small, it is less an encounter with large chance things, like an iceberg, than, than it is the failure to remain in a prepared state for small deviations by a sheer dent of rest in our laurels of long experience. We think back to the opening quote from Captain Smith. Complacency can set in for all of us after long trends of no worries, all right? Now, this is often referred to as the turkey problem. See, this instructive fable goes thusly. See, the turkey lives happily a pampered life on a turkey farm. All needs are taken care of. I mean, he's got, uh, you know, good-looking turkey ladies around everywhere. The farmer solicits each day, comes out to see his needs and feeds them each and every day because the farmer loves them, gives them ample food, makes sure he's got comfortable shelter. Day in, day out, this turkey is happy. 364 days of bliss. To the turkey, all is coming up roses with the trend line of serene complacency, right? What the turkey does not know is the 365th day is Thanksgiving. And that's often the case. We assume what has been going on forever, been going on, will perpetuate the arrow into foreverness. And as we know, it often uh, does not. Now, a lot of us think, well, this won't happen to me because Captain Smith made problems. And we might read that book and realize, okay, let uh, small uh, things go by and I'll, I'll, I'll handle those in my everyday life. There's still a tendency that we can get lulled into complacency. I'm not saying you were guilty of it. I'm saying we are all likely guilty of this in some sense. So uh, let's discuss state and gear-dependent complacency. 
So we can be lulled to Captain Smith or Thanksgiving turkey levels of complacency, not just by, well, it hasn't happened in all my experience, so I must be doing something right, and likely we're good to go. Often we think that to ourselves. We can remain trained and diligent within our domain, but perhaps become a bit state-dependent, a bit gear-dependent, and wind up being woefully unprepared for hazards very similar to what we've trained for in the first place. In other words, you can train for it every day, but still... Let's take a look at another incident in history. This is a case of a large-scale disaster, just the incident of one uh, human being, actually two human beings. It says Newton Rhodes, uh, writing in a 1961 issue of Underwater Magazine, highlights the perils of even being immersed, in his case literally daily, in the hazardous environment, the sea, does not prepare one for subtle shifts in what may be required. Mr. Rhodes state, uh, relates a tale of scuba diving gone wrong. He and his son are scuba diving. They're doing a little bit of sponge diving, and they return to the surface and find that their, dives boat, their dive boat's anchor has become unmoored. All right? It is drifting out to sea, and they are left floating miles from shore. The decision is made that the father will dump his tanks and swim for the ever-receding boat. Now, this is a quote from uh, Mr. Rhodes saying in Swim for Life. He says, quote, uh, without slowing my pace, he could read the dial on his waterproof watch, muscles in his arms and shoulders used rarely in diving, ached with fatigue, unquote. I'm going to report, uh, report uh, repeat that. Muscles in his arms and shoulders used rarely in diving, ached with fatigue. The, uh, his uh, account goes on to just highlight how fatigued and tiring this hour and a half slog came trying to fight the pace and trying to try to get out there and never receding, never seeing his son again because the waves cover up, you don't know where he's at. So Rhodes' account is harrowing. He honestly re- relates how he contemplates just letting go, giving up, and sinking to the bottom of fatigue. He relates how the ease of using dive fins and his daily dives led to less endurance when it came time for the long swimming haul on the surface. So here we have a guy who's been trained. He's, he's been diligent. He's in the water each and every day. This is what he does day in, day out. It's not like he used to he swims and he's a weekend diver and swims a few times each season. This is his gig. He's in it. So here we have an experienced diver who swam daily, but the mere alteration in circumstances of the swim altered his efficiency and effectiveness. Now, add to that swim fins, as aid to good diving, wound up with their own Peltzman effect and limited his zero fin performance. Okay, you know, for more on the hazards of the Peltzman effects, uh, we've discussed that in, in, in past uh, podcasts, and uh, particularly on our Indigenous Ability blog, we talk about how, you know, how gear can make us a little bit uh, t- tunnel on the gear as opposed to what we might really be needing uh, for the rest of the, for the real world uh, uh, practicalities. Now let's talk uh, drill complacency. The antidote to complacency is often assumed to be drill, right? Recreations of possible scenarios. But, well, let's leave this to General Patton to point out the shortfalls here. This is uh, Patton and an address to the officers and men of the 2nd Armored Division. Uh, He delivered this on May 17th, 1941. Quote, there are no bullets and maneuvers and things sometimes get a little dull. But play the game. Don't lie in the shade. Try above all things to use your imagination. Think this is war. Uh, What would I do if that man were really shooting at me? That is the only chance, men, that you're going to have to practice. The next time, maybe there will be no umpires and the bullets will be very real, both yours and the enemy's, unquote. So we've got to keep in mind, drill must be endured, but drills do not ensure, all right? 
what is required, uh, and it is still not enough, we, we must bring to drills emotional content, a constant querying of realities within the drill itself, and a vigilant varying of parameters. There's a tendency, we, if we're all being self-honest with ourselves, we, we drill, we start going through the emotions, we can start having conversations where they're drilling, uh, the people drilling with us, we might even have a conversation in our head, or we put in our own solo time or the drill time, and it becomes uh, conversational, if not external, at least internal in the skull. If we've got time to do that, there's chances are we're not really truly invested in that drill at the moment. I'm not saying everything must be mechanical and never have a a lick of fun that's going on, but we're aware of when we're in that state, we might not be getting the most out of that drill anymore because we're just kind of running on autopilot. Now, Anything less than true investment is an assumption that the turkey farmer is your lifelong friend, the drill is your lifelong friend, or that, you know, I swim great with fins, there's no need for anything else. Swimming is swimming, right? Well, we already know that's not always the case. Now, here's a complacency, uh, complacency battery, a few questions uh, to, uh, uh, to self-check. I'm going to ask you uh, uh, some questions here. There's, these can go on the stratosphere, but uh, we'll see if we can keep our, see where we're at with keeping our eyes open. Do you text while driving? You check your phone while driving. Do you remain attentive? Do you allow your, well, you know, I've never had an accident, streak of turkey luck, color your technique and vigilance. We must keep in mind that everyone else we see in an accident was thinking the exact same thoughts just prior seconds to their accident. They were thinking, you know, I've, everything's going fine. And, and then it's not. There's no one who's seldom are you hear people going out there. Yeah, you know, it, uh, this is the day I'm having the accident. I'm going to steer right into that column right there. Uh, let's go to sparring. And sparring, do you vary your round times, your round duration, your restoration? Are you just play solid three minutes? What about if you change that to two minutes? What if you change those uh, to eight-minute rounds for the evening? What about uh, do uh, the restoration? Do you do the solid one-minute rest in between? Do you go for 10 seconds? Or do you, hey, let's spar for five minutes and then let's rest for five minutes? Sometimes playing with the duration can do it. You get some people who really well train for threes and fives. And then you just uh, you dicker around with those a little bit. You can actually see the little, hmm, the, the, the puppy, the ear cocked up in their head when they're out there particularly if you don't tell them you're changing the rounds on them people kind of have this internal clock sometimes it's a good idea to you know get rid of that clock so they're not quite sure what to do with it now for sporting competition you got to get ready for what the round duration is going to be but for the rest of us if you're got the eye on something else it's best not to really know when where this is going to be done do you vary your glove weight when you're doing your uh, your solo work on some sparring? I mean, you know, we we got you know six, eight, tens, you know, sixteens. Hell, you can go as high as eighteens and twenties if you want. What about the bag weight? You change those up. I know personally myself. I got I'm a heavy bag collector. I you know switch them out all the time so you got something new to you know, smash into. You know, light bags are great. Heavy bags are great. Super heavy bags are great. Moving around. What about your mat surface? Do you double them up sometimes? Do you remove mat surfaces? Do you find out? Mm, you know, this is tactic that I absolutely love. I would never, ever, ever, ever do this out there and uh, on asphalt or some things that are super soft and wonderful and let you realize there's so much give in it you could roll an ankle does it alter how you would play with this game obviously you want to play around with weight classes as well you got to play big you got to play small people you got to play people in your class uh, do you handicap your sparring? Uh, that is, do you impair physical and sensory attributes? Uh, we're not just talking, uh, hey, one-eyed sparring or things like that. We're talking, you know, blindfold. We're talking, you know, two handfuls of, uh, you know, Vaseline on the hands and then go with your weapons, uh, your weapons training. Do you challenge your own balance? Do you impose cognitive load? Now, for more on that, uh, volume three of our uh, our street defense uh, series, which is called the Outer Limits Program, with there's hundreds of ideas there along these valuable lines. It's not 
specific drills in itself. They're nothing but training and cognitive overlays to impede and impair what you do. That way it doesn't really, it's not me imposing my drill on you. You take whatever drill in your particular cognitive, uh, your compass sport or, 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 or uh, uh, aspect is and then you just uh, put these on top of them and see what tactics really shake out once you apply the outer limit uh, overlay on it and then then you might have a good idea of what might really pass muster when you get out there in the real world uh, let's go back to the home <clears throat> are your smoke alarms up to snuff i mean what about the fire extinguishers are they charged and in day does your family know pass p-a-s-s uh, do they know the my height and out rule now i offer that post-fire tragedy is too late to run this once per month sub three minute test of gear and tactical review it's easy to do i know it's on my calendar first of the month boom 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 check these things out make sure they're done say pass my height and rule make sure everyone recites it and you can do it in one sentence and you're done now after a fire it's too late to go hey, maybe we could have done that How's the air pressure in your tires? Here's the one. Here's the main question. How's the air pressure in that spare tire? The one you might need whenever, you know, there is no pressure in the main tire, right? See, uh, let's, let's do a hypothetical here. Uh, wherever you live right now, all the north and west exits from your city are blocked. And you got to get out of there now. All north and west exits are blocked. What are the alternative exits right now? Go, what do you think? Can't GPS it. All right. Here's another one. A solar flare or enemy-directed magnetic pulse has knocked out satellites in your area or perhaps a Russian jam all over the Ukraine. Now, what emergency numbers do you know by heart? I mean, the contacts for your family or whoever you need to get in contact with. Do you need a GPS to get where you're going? Will rendering a smart home dumb lower your ability IQ as well? See, technology like swim fins is mighty, mighty useful. This is not an argument against it. Because technology might be useful and convenient, but let's make sure we can swim just fine without it, all right? Now, let's uh, continue with our questions. If you are a striker, how often do you program grappling into your training? And, you know, vice versa, if you're a grappler, how often do you strike? Does your physical training program uh, work for variance? I'm not talking about just the randomized bit of uh, cross-fitness where you don't necessarily get good in one aspect. I'm talking about, you know, you have enough variation, periodization in there to uh, switch off to different modes. How about this? Do you weight cardio over strength? As uh, we all know, one form of specificity is more transferable than the other. And if you have more questions about that, see the unleaded uh, program. Now, obviously, we could continue this question battery, you know, into the stratosphere, just as you could. I could keep asking questions. You could keep asking questions. Is that what we should be doing? Those are the questions Patton was advising us to ask and answer of ourselves all the time. And we do that sort of thing in the No Second Chance Book of Drill Assignments, which is available only to our black box members. We're talking, these are drills into the uh, stratosphere. A lot of it's just constant constant self-assessment questions that you can be working on all the time, little homework assignments, hence the no second chance book of drill assignments, because there is no second chance, and here's your drill assignments. Boy, truth in advertising there. But anyway, these questions here should be more than enough to arouse us from our Captain Smith or Thanksgiving turkey or skilled dri uh, diver complacency. Well, anyway, I hope you enjoyed that for uh, more of this. Nothing but rip-roar and old-school tactics, historically accurate and viciously verified. Have a look at our Black Box Training Warehouse over at ExtremeSelfProtection.com or continue to listen to the podcast, like, support, subscribe, that sort of thing. If you want hundreds, if not thousands, of pages of martial uh, uh, history or, or uh, research, take a look at our Indigenous Ability blog. Hell, we got a rough-and-tumble boot camp coming up in August. I'll put all these uh, uh, links down there in the, the show notes if uh, you're interested in any of that sort of thing. Other than that, though, thanks for putting your ears on and have a good day.
Well, if you dig what we just discussed today, uh, I'd like to invite you to like and subscribe to the podcast. Hell, support it if you want. I'm not your dad. Do what you want. And if you're a glutton for punishment, uh, just visit our website, extremeselfprotection.com. You'll find links to the blog, all of our products, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more pages of like musics. <laughs>